The biggest drama in European football five months ago was not the Euros. Can you remember what it was? It was the announcement of the European Super League. A brand new football tournament where the top European teams would play each other, devised up by the club owners to make some more money from TV revenues. It was announced, but it went down like a lead balloon. Two days later, well, there was a, a horrifying outcry from fans in general, from the politicians, from football governing bodies, and so it was only two days later that one of the English teams, Chelsea, pulled out, and within a few hours, all the other English teams had followed too. It was a complete U-turn, completely for this new thing, then completely renouncing it. We're looking at a story of a U-turn today in the, story, in the life of Saul. Um, so before we look, um, dive into it, let's have a little look at who Saul was. So let's start with the obvious, his name, Saul. That seems like an easy one. Although actually not quite so easy because he's got a second name, Paul. Um, so why has he got two names, Saul and Paul? Well, it's all about who he's around. So Saul is his Jewish name when he's around Jews, like he is in today's story. Um, and then Paul is his name for when he's around, his, his Greek and Roman name, so when he's not around Jews. We know him slightly better as Paul because as the Bible goes on, we hear more about him and he's largely spending his time telling people who aren't Jews about Jesus. But seeing as he's referred to as Saul, I'll try and remember to call him Saul um, today. So there's his name, other key stats about him. Where's he grew up? Well, he grew up in Jerusalem, but he was actually born in a place called Tarsus. Um, that's in modern day Turkey. At the time though, that was in the Roman Empire, um, the same as Jerusalem was, where all of these, this is happening. So, um, his name, where he's from, Last thing about him is age. Um, Acts 8 verse 1 describes him as a young man, which scholars seem to think that means around the age of 30. So not dissimilar to the average age, looking around the room today. So, okay, how does Saul like to use his youthful energy? What was he getting up to? Well, in the chapter before the one we read today, Acts 8 verse 1, um, Saul's described as beginning to destroy the church. Not a promising start. Um, <laughs> What does that mean? It doesn't mean he was getting out his bulldozer and going around St. Edward's or Longfield's primary school, but chapter 8 verse 2 is more specific. It tells us that Saul went from door to door in the city of Jerusalem, dragging away the Christians he found and throwing them in prison. I don't know how we would respond as a church if people came around knocking on our doors, dragging us off to prison. These um, Christian men and women, though, what do they do? They ran, they ran for their lives, quite understandably, um, and settled in various towns and cities um, around. So, Saul's next move. That's what we come to today. He hits the road, um, trying to find these Christians who have scattered. Um, Saul, he's not the kind of guy you might expect to become a Christian. In fact, quite the opposite. And so we're going to look at that story under three headings today. Here's the first one. A message that changes even the most unlikely. Expect it to. You've probably played the card game Top Trumps. You get a set of cards, all on a related theme. There's some on the screen that these are from the DC Comics Top Trump set. 
It's all about what scores the highest. So, suppose you're playing here, and you've got Batman. You probably can't quite see the numbers, but he's got a 92 score for fighting skills. So that's probably a good one to play if you're going to try and beat your siblings, children, whoever you're playing against. Um, and the game continues. The idea is always, what's got the most highest scoring card? So, suppose you were creating a deck of top trumps cards. One card for each person in your life, for your colleagues, your family, your neighbours, um, and you were going to give them scores for all these categories. Um, you could give them intelligence, strength, speed, fighting skills, perhaps. Um, and then... <laughs> Add an extra on the bottom. What score would you give each of those people for unlikeliness to become a Christian? Where, you know, zero, one, two, that's kind of like pretty likely. Nine, ten, no way Jose cannot imagine them coming to believe in Jesus. What score would you give your friends, your extended family, your spouse, your children, your friends? Who would you give those really high scores to? Who's it almost impossible to imagine becoming a Christian? Maybe there's quite a lot of people that you'd score really quite highly. Suppose we were creating a card for Saul. What score would we give him for unlikeliness to become a Christian? He's not just bad mouthing Christians, he's trying to get them killed essentially. I think 9 out of 10? Maybe 10, I think. That would seem fair. And yeah, Saul does come to believe in Jesus. Um, the surprisingness of that is emphasised um, several times throughout our passage. Um, I think, first of all, by, by the reaction of people mainly. So, Ananias, we'll come and think about him a bit more later. But Jesus appears to him and says, Go, go see Saul. And I think it's pretty implicit as you read Ananias' words that he's saying, well, I'm not sure about that. This is the guy who's come in to try and find Christians like me to get us thrown into prison. Um, so, it's great shock from Ananias, first of all. Secondly, we see a surprise um, just after the bit we read today, where um, the residents of Damascus hear Saul preaching that Jesus is the Son of God, and they were told that they were astonished. They asked, isn't this the man? who raised havoc among those who prayed to Jesus. And again, the surprise that this man could become a Christian comes up in verse 26. Saul heads to Jerusalem to meet with the apostles and other disciples in Jerusalem. Um, we're told that the disciples were afraid of him because they didn't believe that he really was a disciple. All these reactions highlight how enormous a U-turn this was in Saul's life. He goes from all he can do to trying to wipe out the church doing all he can do to make the name of Jesus known. It's a bit like those um, clubs who were one moment all for the Super League, the next moment they were announcing it as much as they could. It would be a bit like Malfoy leaving Slytherin, joining Gryffindor, or perhaps a bit like Marie Kondo deciding that tidying is a waste of time and just fill your house up with as much clutter as you can. Just a completely shocking thing, not what we'd expect. Are you expecting surprising U-turns like that today? Think back to those people who you gave high scores to when your top trump sets, highly unlikely to become a Christian. Can you imagine them becoming a Christian? Are you expecting that? 
perhaps that family member who you pleaded with to consider Jesus, but just who isn't interested, or your colleague who takes great joy in mocking Christian belief, who thinks it's ludicrous that you actually believe, or the Christians actually believe that prayer would change anything, or how about friends going through a really tough time, and you just struggle to think, how could they see that a God would allow that pain and suffering in their life? All these people, God can bring to know him. And that's also true if you're here today and not a Christian. Um, perhaps you quite like the idea of being a Christian, but you think, oh, I'm not sure that God would want me. Look at Saul. He was certainly not a morally upright person. He was going around trying to kill Christians. Um, there's nobody too far away from Jesus. He doesn't turn anyone away. So there's our first headline for today. The message that changes even the most unlikely expected to. Here's our second. A person who reaches the lost, pray for him too. So why did those clubs pull out of the Super League? You've probably got an answer in your head. You could say the answer is, well, the owners got cold feet, they rang up the relevant people, the press announcements were made, and that would be completely true. That's why they pulled out. But it's not really the reason that you're probably thinking of. You're probably thinking of the outcry, the, the politicians, the fans, the possibility of being chucked out of the Premier League. That's why the real reason why they performed their U-turn. There's something similar going on with Saul. Absolutely, he changed his mind. But the bigger reason, there's a, better, there's a bigger explanation, and it's this. It's that Jesus chose Saul. Saul became a Christian because Jesus acted powerfully in his life. Luke makes that point in Acts 9 in at least three ways. So let's start at the beginning of, um, well, as, as Saul is heading on the road at the start of Acts 9. So he's not looking for Jesus. What he's looking for is Christians to persecute. But Jesus appears to him. The sky is filled with a brilliant light. And Saul here... He falls to the ground and he hears a voice. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he probably thinks, what on earth is going on? What is this voice? Um, he doesn't succeed in answering the question, but he does reply. And he says, who are you, Lord? And his question is answered, I am Jesus. Jesus continues, get up, go into the city, wait to be told what to do. And so Saul gets off the ground. He finds he can't see anymore. He's led by the hand into the city. And you might think this is a fairly obvious thing to say, but Saul's hardly the initiator of this encounter. He's rather following along. He's not taking the lead. He's responding rather than acting. He falls to the ground. He hears the voice. He finds himself blind. He does act a little. He applies to the answer the question, although doesn't quite manage to actually answer it. But he's hardly leading the story forward. Someone even has to lead him by the hand into the city because he can't see where he's going. Jesus brings Saul to know him. He does that by appearing to him. Just like in the Super League U-turn. Yes, the clubs weren't the ones who brought the U-turn around. Just as here, Saul isn't the one who brought the U-turn around in his life. We see that again. 
as the story turns to Ananias. We mentioned him um, just earlier. But we're going to look down now, take a look at verse 15, at how Jesus um, responds to Ananias' doubts. Jesus says, this man is my chosen instrument. He's the one I'm going to use. I've chosen him. Ananias was shocked at the thought that Saul would be one who might come to know Jesus. But Jesus chose him. Jesus, the one who created the whole universe, who formed Saul in his mother's womb, who upholds all the laws of nature. Jesus chose to bring Saul to him. And so Saul comes to know him. So at a third place, um, where we see the same truth, is then what happens when Ananias does go. So Ananias goes to Saul, just as he's told to. He finds Saul, still unable to see. Um, Perhaps to get our minds into that, we could just close our eyes for 30 seconds. Imagine being Saul there. He spent three days like this with his eyes shut. Spent them praying, talking to God about what's going on. Okay, let's open our eyes if you haven't already. You just opened your eyes. You chose to when you wanted. Um, Saul wasn't able to do that. He, his eyes were shut. If you're blind, you don't just get to choose to open them. His sight's restored. When? What, what's the cause? If you look down there, it's Ananias coming, sent by Jesus. Sent to place his hands on Saul. And that's when his sight's restored, when something like scales fall down from his eyes. So, Saul's eyes being shut, it's a symbol of what it means to become a Christian. Before becoming a Christian, you're spiritually blind, unable to see God. You're stumbling about in the dark. The restoration of his sight is a symbol of total transformation. A whole new way of viewing the world. Viewing it, knowing that there's a God who's created the world and who wants to be in relationship with us. And so, it's Jesus again here who brings that colossal change. Saul can't open his eyes. It's Jesus who opens his eyes. Next up, verse 17, Saul receives the Holy Spirit. Notice the words receive. He receives the Holy Spirit from Jesus. Yet again, Saul is not the active one. After that, he does finally do something for himself. He chooses to be baptised. Quite similarly to the Ethiopian eunuch last week, who, having come to believe in Jesus, said, Oh, there's water, why not get baptised? And we see that time and time again in the Bible, that coming to believe in Jesus and getting baptised go together, hand in hand. That's why we've got a baptism service this autumn in town church. So if that's of interest to you, do have a chat to Johnny, Simon or Lance. So back to Saul. He does respond. He prays a bit. He gets baptised. But coming to know Jesus is not ultimately something Saul or anyone else who becomes a Christian is really ultimately in control of. So what difference does that make for us? Well, it means the best explanation of why you or I are a Christian is that Jesus acted to make us Christians. It means we can't be proud of our faith. It means we should be humble. We should be really thankful. Let's each take a moment right now to pray to Jesus and thank him for bringing us to know him. Knowing Jesus is sovereign in salvation should also encourage us as we long for friends and family to worship and enjoy Jesus and to see for themselves who he is. It's easy to lose hope. 
to think that John or David or Beth or Grandma are never going to become Christians because we haven't got the words or the boldness. But there's hope because it's Jesus who brings people to know him. That's why even the most unlikely can become Christians because Jesus is in control. And so let's pray that he would bring people to know him. Let's pray for each person we know. Perhaps when we join the Zoom meeting, maybe a little bit bored, why don't we pray for each of the faces that pops up on our screen? Or as we scroll through Instagram, also a bit bored perhaps, pause for a moment as you see a friend's post and pray that Jesus would bring that person to know him. Think of Saul and pray that Jesus would work with power in their life. It seems worth at this point mentioning that there are maybe people who you have prayed a lot for over the years. Do you wonder if it's worth continuing to pray? Have you lost hope? Well, let's let the story of Saul be an encouragement to us. Five minutes before he became a Christian, he did not seem likely you'd have given him that 10 out of 10 unlikely to become a Christian top trumps rating. Um, and yet, he did come to know Jesus. So keep praying. Jesus reaches the lost. Pray that he would. But just because Jesus is the one who reaches the lost, that doesn't mean that there's no part for us to play. Here's our third and final heading. A people who participate in Mission Unstoppable. Play your part. The story's told of a man in a flood. The water was up to his waist when a boat came by and they said, jump in. He said, no, no, don't worry. God will save me. The floodwaters rose, he was forced up the stairs, he's looking out the window and another boat comes by. Again though, he says, no, no, don't worry, God will save me. The waters continue to rise, the man ends up on his roof. A helicopter comes by, drops its ladder, encourages him to jump on board. The man says, don't worry guys, God will save me. The man sadly drowns. In heaven, he sees God and he says to God, God, why didn't you save me? And God says, well, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. What more were you after? The story of the man in the flood illustrates that sometimes when God is at work, he is at work through humans whom he has sent. Jesus is the one who brings people to know him. Jesus can choose even the most unlikely people. But the way he does that is often by sending humans on his behalf, just like in the story of the man in the flood. In the case of Saul's conversion, God acts through Ananias, just an ordinary Christian living in Damascus, but Jesus works through him. Ananias is understandably a bit reluctant to go and speak to Saul, but he does go. He hears what Jesus commands and obeys. Ananias wasn't a specially gifted or specially mature Christian, but Jesus used this ordinary believer to bring Saul to faith. Ananias is an encouragement and a challenge for us. Ananias is an encouragement because he's an example of how God uses ordinary Christians as he brings people to believe in him. That's exciting. Jesus is at work. We can be part of what he is up to. It's not like he needs us, but he chooses to involve us in his work. Like a parent who allows their child to stir the cake mixture. They don't need the help, but in their love for their child, they let the child join in the fun. Ananias was a bit reluctant to go, probably a bit nervous probably a bit scared and yet God used him do you ever feel reluctant to talk of Jesus do you ever feel a bit nervous or a bit scared do you worry you don't know what to say 
Ananias shows us that feeling weak is not a barrier to Jesus using you as he brings people into relationship with him. That's got to be an encouragement. But there's also a challenge in Ananias' story because we can't just say, oh, I don't need to speak about Jesus. He doesn't need me. I'll just sit back and watch. Because while it's absolutely true that he can achieve his purposes without us, he chooses to work through ordinary Christians. He's in charge of bringing people to himself, but part of the way he does that is sending us to speak on his behalf. That might look different for different people. You know, contrast Saul and Ananias. Saul went on to have a particularly prominent role in speaking of Jesus. We know him better as Paul the Apostle. Um, Much of the rest of Acts talks about his activities. He went on to write several of the books in the Bible. In comparison, Ananias' role seems a little bit more minor. He's not mentioned elsewhere in the Bible. But without him, Saul would still be intent on destroying the church. Well, maybe not still, 2,000 years later, but you know, Saul wouldn't have written the, um, the letters that we benefit from as Christians today. Maybe the church would have been snuffed out. Who knows? Um, Ananias' tiny role turned out not to be so tiny. There's a call for each of us to be involved, whether that looks like Saul or Ananias or something else. But, yeah, it might look different for each of us, but a seemingly tiny role can be an essential one. Are you willing to participate in Mission Unstoppable? Are you actively seeking to join in Jesus' work? If not, what might help you start? Got a few possibilities. Perhaps there are places you could spend more time with people who don't know Jesus. Perhaps when a colleague organises drinks after work, could you decide to go and linger long enough to start to have some deeper chats? Perhaps there's a relative who doesn't believe in Jesus that you could get into the habit of giving a call every now and then. Maybe there's someone you could invite to come to the Sunday gathering. Perhaps you could be thinking in advance to Christmas and who you might be inviting to the Christmas carol service or family nativity. One more idea. Perhaps you could be ready so that tomorrow, when somebody inevitably asks you, how was your weekend? You're ready. And rather than talking first of all about the football or talking about Saturday or Sunday morning, um, you know what you're going to say. You say something like, in words that feel natural to you, Oh, we had a great time at, ch- at church yesterday. We've been in a series looking at Jesus' unstoppable mission. Maybe that person you're speaking to will pick up on that. Then you have a little conversation about Jesus and his mission. Maybe you won't. That doesn't matter, because gods can use those words, even when they don't seem to have had much impact. Because the encouragement from Ananias is that feeling weak is not a barrier to Jesus using you as he brings people into relationship with him. Do you expect Jesus to act? Do you pray that he would? Are you willing to play your part? We have a message that changes even the most unlikely. Expect it to. We know a person who reaches the lost. Pray for him too. We are a people who participate in Mission Unstoppable. Play your part.